But we are each other's business exactly. because at the end of the day, if my neighbor is going through it and has to make desperate decisions during desperate times, I am likely going to be a part of that, right? Because I'm right there. And I'm not even, I don't even think it's like, we shouldn't even center it on like, well, I don't want them to hurt me. So it's like, actually, I want everybody to be well. And I know what it means to not be well and to feel alone. So what does it look like for us to anticipate, right, conflict, anticipate needs? You already know, it's your girl Naira, and this is Shit Talk. What's good, everybody? My name is Naira. This is another episode of Shit Talks. It's Chicago, nigga. And I have an amazing guest here with me today that looks so cute. I love this fit. Who are you? Hello, y'all. My name is Trina T. I'm a community member, first and foremost. I'm an auntie and family member, second. And then, of course, my daytime job is a data journalist. Period. Data journalists where? You want to tell the people? The Invisible Institute is a multimedia journalism organization which provides community with information and toolkits so that they can hold their institutions accountable. Yes. That's very fire. Um, the Invisible Institute. Um, shout out to Anwuli, uh hosted the weekly's retreat uh, a couple weeks ago, um, probably a month ago by the time this airs. But yeah, shout out to the Invisible Institute, we cousins. So talk to me about what you do. First of all, you said you're a data director. Data director. What yes. does that even mean? Okay, so when I first started at the Invisible Institute, I was doing outreach work for our Citizens Police Data Project. It's a database that houses police misconduct records. Today goes back to 1988. I think at the time it was much smaller than that. And that was my introduction to data, right? It was just like, okay, you know, in every neighborhood, every zip code, community area, there is some record of police misconduct that community members or police officers themselves have filed against other police officers. Mm -hmm. And it was my job to basically go to various neighborhoods and talk to people about what the data said about where they lived. Mm -hmm. um, many people use the database, whether it be organizers, lawyers, journalists, in order to discuss police misconduct um, and also generally police accountability in the city of Chicago. Yeah, that's really interesting. What made you even start doing that? I was actually the communications co-chair for the Black Youth Project 100, and it was my job to uh, come up with data sentences, talking points for people to prep them for the media. And what I found was I had a lot of questions about the world that many people had not necessarily done the research on, at least the research wasn't accessible to me. And so um, I stumbled upon the Invisible Institute founder, Jamie Calvin, and a lawyer, Craig Futterman, on a panel at the Chicago Urban League, where I was the youngest person, I was like the only woman, and I'm talking, you know, I'm like, talking my, talking my shit, okay? Mm -hmm. And, um, and that, panel that I was on ultimately led to me doing a AmeriCorps fellowship with the Invisible Institute. Mm -hmm. That was eight years ago, mm -hmm. or 2016. Yeah. 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 Time flies. Time really flies. That's really cool. 
say one more thing. So yeah. what that means now, as data director, I lead a project called Beneath the Surface, which uses machine learning in order to parse through narrative text of police misconduct records. Mm -hmm. And so in that database, you might see something like miscellaneous or like operation and personnel violation, which is a really flat way to talk about the way that people are impacted by policing in the city of Chicago. Yeah. And so by way of Beneath the Surface, this machine learning project, we're able to talk about the context where police violence, police misconduct is occurring, mm -hmm. um, specifically against uh, women and children. And so, you know, being able to discuss, for example, the complaints that were filed when folks were attempting to report their sexual assault um, and, and they were reporting how police treated them in that moment, you know, or for example, when folks were trying to report their loved one is missing and they, you know, described um, officers mistreating them in that process. And, and, and what's important about that is it takes us away from these like individual officer did a bad thing and it helps us to understand the ways that people's experiences with policing are connected through space and time. It could be totally different officers, but, but for example, in the case of reporting a sexual assault, survivors describing officers victim blaming them, describing some officers even laughing, right? Like these kinds of tactics that are not going to really show up when you're looking at a primary category in an Excel spreadsheet or in a row of data, right? Um, information that only comes through narrative text through the testimony of the people. Um, who have filed said complaints. Yeah, that's really interesting. That work is so important. I also feel like, you know, um, like on the journalism side, like, you know, right, free to the Freedom of Information Act, like being, one being like, how do I access that information? Two being like, how do I read it? How do I make sense of this information? Three, how do we hold these institutions accountable, like to like release that data and things mm -hmm. like that? And I think that um, when you go on Google and you type in like, a statistic or trying to understand something it's like one it might not be there like you said or two when it's there like I, it always makes me think like I'm really happy that somebody like did this work to make sure this information was here because like now it is useful for the work that we're trying to do oh my goodness and and like it's especially important in this day and age that we really understand like what data is and how we can leverage our own data. Mm -hmm. You know, when we're on social media, when we walk using our GPS, like using our phones mm -hmm. for so many things, like they're collecting information about us, about our behavior, about the things that we even look up in order to identify larger patterns in society. Mm -hmm. And that there are ways that we in community can better understand what our shared experiences are and actually what we need in order to improve, right, our our collective circumstance. Mm -hmm. Shout out mutual aid. Exactly. Shout out mutual aid. Exactly. Yeah. Like, um, what I was going to say is that, like, understanding what the community need is, like, changes the way that we go about um, handling certain issues, right? And so, like you said, with mutual aid or even just, like, in general, um, this like understanding of what makes the quality of life better, right? Like what makes um, people positioned to maybe not engage in violence? What makes people positioned to be able to like, okay, you know, I have the means to be able to get up and go to work. I have the means to be able to go to school. I have the means to be able to, you know, 
be proactive in participating in building up my community. Um, and I do think mutual aid is one of those things, but what the hell is mutual aid? My goodness. Wait, Kim, before we define mutual aid, yes. one of those other things that I want to uplift is what are the drivers of conflict, right? Because we understand, like, a part of that understanding our collective experience is that knowing that a lot of the stuff that's happening in the city of Chicago, at the root of it is conflict. At the root of it is really interpersonal issues, things that we can really anticipate that spill over into the streets, mm -hmm. that spill over into neighborhoods, across blocks, mm -hmm. um, and ultimately across the city. And so like understanding people's needs and how, how that correlates with even crime, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's, it's such a big, such a big thing because we, we could really talk about the root. Of, we can talk about prevention. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I so agree. let's get into mutual aid. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What the hell is that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> what is mutual aid? I believe so many people will have different definitions of what mutual aid is. It's really about like cooperation. It's about collective, um, collective people. It's about, um, it's not about charity. It's not about um, dangling things in front of people and then being like, ooh, look, I did this cool thing. Let me put these people on display. Mm -hmm. It's not about barriers to entry, right? Mm -hmm. Something that happens in a lot of um, uh, resource, uh, with it happens with a lot of resources that the city provides and, mm -hmm. and that other philanthropists provide because they are so gung-ho on data that sometimes it, it creates a barrier to entry. Mutual aid is about... Um, coming together as a community, as a group, um, identifying what shared needs are, and then contributing in a way that um, is not about what do I get back, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's yeah. about how do we support each other. Mm -hmm. um, and it can look so different, like sometimes mutual aid is food, mm -hmm. sometimes mutual aid is information. Sometimes it's services. Sometimes it's services, yeah. right? There's so much that aid that is necessary for people, um, that there are barriers to entry to. And so I, especially when I became explicitly a part of mutual aid effort, mm -hmm. um, it became abundantly clear to me that mutual aid, first and foremost, was about breaking down the barriers to entry mm -hmm. that so many institutions have built up. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. I was just thinking about also like, I was facing out, so I was thinking about like the difference between like charity work and mutual aid, right? Like, what's the difference? And I think that also, when you talk about those barriers to entry, it's like when I see mutual aid work, there's less questions about qualification or like proving that you like are struggling, proving that you are, you know what I'm saying? Like those things that I feel like differ from charity work. The also the other thing is that like. Um, mutual aid efforts are usually stewarded by people who are like from or identify with those communities, oh, yeah. um, which I feel like is a huge difference too. And also changes the impact, right? Like it's different for me to receive groceries from someone who looks like me or someone that I know than it is for me to receive like aid from like a white person who I've never seen before, I will never see again after this, who just came here to do a community service project and then leave. Well, and then also the types of things that are offered at a mutual aid that is is driven by the people who live within the community mm -hmm. is going to provide a different type of, is, is going to provide a more culturally affirming, a, a more culturally aware 
um, opportunity to provide aid, right? So you don't want to be go to a, uh, I don't know, people always make a joke about the missionaries that go to Africa to teach them how to kill chickens mm -hmm. in a, in a, I say Af Africa have a lot of countries within no, it, right? Yeah, but, yeah. but, but to some village where like they don't even eat chickens, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like you, you have to be mindful about, you know, what are you providing the folks? Are they actually going to use it? Mm -hmm. um, um, and I think when you, are in a position where the people who are apart, driving the mutual aid look like the people who are receiving the mutual aid, then we're cre also creating a culture of sustainability mm -hmm. and, and opening doors for people who are receivers of the mutual aid to become contributors to, you know what I'm saying, a mm -hmm. part of the infrastructure, yeah. a part of the literal infrastructure, which is really powerful. Because yeah. we're not seeing each other as us versus them, right? Mm -hmm. It's like we, yeah. right? We all need, we all eat. You know? Exactly. Yeah. That's very real. I'm also laughing at, like, going somewhere and teaching them how to kill chickens. They don't even eat chicken. Somebody thinking in their head, like, why did you just kill my pet? Like, <laughs> like, did he literally just kill Joseph the chicken? Why? And then what does he want us to do with him? Eat him? Eat him? Y'all eat chickens? Right. That's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's very interesting. So, like, do you feel personally connected to, like, just the mutual aid? Like, framework um because I feel like I watched a lot of that type of ideology growing up like for example um when it comes to like doing people's hair costs money mm -hmm. right like people do hair as a job but like I do my friend's hair for free because I'm like well this is a service I have to provide for you right or ch child care so, like, so what do you think a oh, 1000 percent growing up in a place where like our we all are connected. Mm -hmm. We all have needs. Mm -hmm. We all know that there are there are financial, you know, the limits of our pocketbook, mm -hmm. right? And 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 also um, tribe shit. Like when I think about a village, when even thinking about like within my family and how you know the young people in my family, they are a part of a village. There are multiple adults who are not paid babysitters, but are people who are invested in the growth and development of this child mm -hmm. for free. Mm -hmm. When I think about growing up, my friend Cheviana, my sandbox bestie, doing my hair, braiding me up into a mohawk, mm -hmm. me feeling like, you know what I'm saying, I was such a baddie after that. Like, yeah. like those, these kinds of things, like leaning on your neighbors mm -hmm. for some kind of exchange, mm -hmm. it, it's really deep. It's really deep, and I think Mutual aid is a part of so many people's community infrastructure, mm -hmm. but we never we didn't necessarily call, call it that. that yeah. We just call it village. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We just say these are people, mm -hmm. and and I think a big part of mutual aid is about having some connection to your neighbors, mm -hmm. right? What does it look like for us to actually be neighborly mm -hmm. and to not just mind our business? Because yeah. I think, and I've seen so many instances where, you know, you hear somebody screaming down the street. Mm -hmm. And then someone else is like, that's not your business, keep it moving. Yeah. And it's like, we actually need to pull away from that. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is rooted in fear. If they're screaming, I don't want to show up and then also be in a position where I'm screaming yeah, too now. Exactly. But we don't live in a world where in, where individualism is is conducive to thriving. Yeah. I mean, when you think about capitalism. That's what I said. Yeah. Individualism is a fashion mm. of white supremacy. I always say mm. that, bro. It's like... Hmm. Worried about your business is very 
Capitalist. But we are each other's business exactly. because at the end of the day, if my neighbor is going through it and has to make desperate decisions mm -hmm. during desperate times, I am likely going to be a part of that, right? Because I'm right there. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even, I don't even think it's like, we shouldn't even center it on like, well, I don't want them to hurt me. So it's like, actually, I want everybody to be well. Mm -hmm. And I know what it means to not be well and to feel alone. Yeah. So what does it look like for us to anticipate, right, conflict, mm -hmm. anticipate needs, mm -hmm. um, and then create those spaces mm -hmm. so that we can give people a little more breathing room mm -hmm. so they don't make desperate decisions, yeah. so they're not forced to make yeah. desperate decisions. That's very real. Um, I think that's like that's one that's so important. Like the the pain that comes with like feeling alone, especially when you're surrounded by people. Like especially in a city that's so densely packed, like Chicago. You know, there were times that like I needed help, and like people were kind of just like not paying attention or like didn't really care or whatever the case is. And I know the difference in like how warm and how accounted for I feel when people are looking out for you, even without having to ask. You know, although it is important to ask, like please ask for help if you need it. But like. Um, there's just like a sense of like warmth and security. Like even if the world is falling apart, I have zero dollars, zero cents. A comment is beating my door down. Somebody brought me something to eat. I'm good. I'm going to live to see the next day. Right. And what you speak into is like this feeling of safety, mm -hmm. right? Feeling safe. Safety goes beyond like, I'm going to call the police, right? Because yeah. in the sometime when you in that situation where you got to call police or you feel inclined to call police, right? That's like, oh my gosh, things are so I'm escalated. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. But it's like all these things that come before that, that are inherently connected to the feelings of safety, mm -hmm. right? You're like, you know, um, the world is falling apart mm -hmm. and like, and feeling comfortable enough to share your circumstance with someone else mm -hmm. requires you to feel safe enough to know that if you talk about what you're going through, they're mm -hmm. not going to mishandle you. Yeah. They're not going to abuse you. Mm -hmm. And actually they will use that information in order to improve your circumstances mm -hmm. instead of taking advantage of them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you cannot, all of us have gone through something and regardless of our identity, be it, race, ethnicity, sexuality, gender, all you know what I'm saying, all of these things that really impact our lived experience, class, all of that stuff, access. Um, there are so many of us who have a shared experience mm -hmm. of like feeling some kind of pain or frustration or fear, mm -hmm. right? And 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 the question is, what are you provided in that moment mm -hmm. so that that so that that fear, isolation, et cetera, doesn't begin to overflow mm -hmm. and build and escalate into a circumstance that is ultimately life-threatening. Yeah, that's very true. In a time that like, I, f I feel like obviously a lot of people were experiencing um, that fear, that kind of like, while wow, the world feels like, you know, it's caving in on me was like, you know, at the start of the pandemic, people, Oh my goodness, bro, I was so broke. <laughs> like, oh, what you mean you freelance? Freelance to where? Where is you? There, there's nothing open. You don't have the money. Like, you know, and before anything was stimulated, when they um, stopped, uh, you know, the city had decided they weren't going to continue. Was it the, um, they were passing out food, right? They were like providing food to like communities via the schools that were in those communities and they stopped doing that. Um, 
a lot of people were like, dang, you know, and now what? And there are so many and now what situations, right? And so a lot of mutual aid efforts popped up um, during the pandemic or people who were already doing that work continued that work. And that's how I met you at the People's Grab and Go. But what the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, um, you know, before the People's Grab and Go, one, the People's Grab and Go was a mutual aid um, effort that was located at Burke Elementary. Mm-hmm. That's on 53rd and King Drive. Listen, we love the West Side. That's true. That's true. We a little different because of, you know, migration patterns. I feel like the West Side is still a little more country. They are. And it's because of the history. Yes. It's the history. It's about, you know, a lot when folks first came to the city, it was like the South Side and mm-hmm. then it was a, you know, and then the West, you know, and then also like there's some there's a reason why the 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 culture of the South and West Sides are so different, yeah. you know, and I, you know, I'm not I don't want us to be against each other. I no, no, no. I love my Westians. Like, but I do I love Southside. No, I do love Southside. But like some of the like people that I love the most is from out west too. So I don't. It's true. We we end up together, and they're we so gregarious and so friendly. There's something just like so Chicago about like a bunch of people just deciding like we're gonna just do this thing. Like why would we wait for somebody else to do it? We're just going to do it ourselves. Um, and so thank y'all for like stewarding that work and taking the time to be like, all right, well, I am somebody like, well, let's go get it done. Um, but also what made y'all decide to create like the, the rhythm that y'all have had the framework that y'all have, you could just walk up and just grab their food and just go literally. Well, so a part of it is that everybody eats, right? So it's like everybody have needs. Mm -hmm. The stores were, you know, first of all, folks already living in food deserts. Mm -hmm. And so when you put on top of that the fact that like many stores were destroyed in the process of this largest uprising in the nation, right? It was a lot of people who were like, I am on foot. How do I get something to eat? Mm-hmm. You know? And um the reason why, you know, again that grab and go piece is because we didn't want folks to feel like we were surveilling them mm-hmm. in order for us to get mm-hmm. give them anything, mm-hmm. right? And there are so many folks who um, are afraid that like, if they give you their name or information, that you, you know, that they might be arrested. Yeah. But, and, and, and we know that many criminalized populations um, have children, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Many criminalized populations are children. Mm-hmm. And that, regard and that regardless of you criminalize or not, everybody everybody needs nourishment. Everybody yeah. needs food. And so at the grab and go, you know, we it, it, we provided also not only food, but there was like hygiene packs and mm-hmm. snack diapers. packs, diapers, right? Yeah. These things that um, that people needed. And, and the reason why we, you know, why we committed was just because we felt that it was our duty we we felt that we could mm-hmm. you know we 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 was we we felt so much love mm-hmm. not only between us but also for our people and 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 could see the people wanting to plug in mm-hmm. to the infrastructure like you name that we met through people's grab and go yeah. by the end of the grab and go you were like leading 
these bagging sites mm. at YCA. You know, it's like there were people, there are always people who are looking for ways to plug in. Mm -hmm. And if you build the structure for folks to do so, people will get active. Yeah. But a lot of times there is no structure. Mm -hmm. People don't know how to plug in. Mm -hmm. People have so many gifts and talents that they could provide and who th what they desire to give to the world, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't know where to go with it. And yeah. and we 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 don't want to put a um we don't want to to put out the fire of people. Mm -hmm. We want to stoke that fire yeah. so that, you know what I'm saying? So folks can can know what it feels like um to contribute, you know, in a meaningful way, to contribute to community for the sake of doing so, you know, not for the sake of anything else but that. You know, if people don't know where to start when it comes to contributing to their community, when it comes to like, even just like mutual aid or the, the ideologies that kind of like fuel this like mutual aid, um, just like idea and framework, right? Like what do people do if they're like get involved? Like how on the day to day, like how, how can we navigate the world? If you have any ideas oh on how goodness. we can navigate the world in order to kind of like give a little piece of that. Well, one, like find your people. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like ultimately, like mutual aid cannot be done without some set of people. Mm -hmm. Also, too, like identify what's already being done. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like what kind of work is already mutual aid work is being done and, and think about ways that you can build capacity for said mutual aid work. For example, lots of people who receive mutual aid are not on the internet. Mm -hmm. But when you are on the internet broadcasting about your mutual aid, it's a lot of times because people are able to provide donations mm -hmm. to your mutual aid effort. And so if, if you are a graphic designer, you're like, how do I bolster, you know what I'm saying? How do I uplift right, this, this um, organization or crew of folks who are already doing work on the ground? Mm -hmm. Um, that can't you can contribute in the form of a graphic design or yeah. like um, it was at the experimental station and I was at the church. Oh, oh Market Box. Box. Yeah, Market Box. Ah, <laughs> please forgive me. It's been a long day, but even with Market Box, like mm -hmm. you just need somebody who has a car who's willing to drive the route. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you need somebody who's gonna pack the boxes, mm -hmm. right? And then also identifying mutual aids that already exist as models yeah. to recreate in a different place because a lot of mutual aid you're not gonna um it's not about bringing it to scale like yeah. making it some big fancy thing yeah. it's about getting the aid to the people mm -hmm. um and sometimes you need models that are already have already existed mm -hmm. in order to help you to build that structure so many mutual aid works came out of the people's grab and go yeah. in different parts of the city mm -hmm. because we were able to be like, this is, you know, this is the kinds of things that you should be accepting. Mm -hmm. This is how much time you'll need for setup. Mm -hmm. These are the kinds, these are the coolers. Like we were sharing a tent mm -hmm. with the mutual aid that was on the West side, yeah. you know, like ways that we can um, support each other. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, without, you know, there are just ways that we could support each other and plug in in meaningful ways we, by way of learning from each other, mm -hmm. from learning what has already happened, specifically learning from Miriam Kaba, too. Yeah, shout out to Miriam Kaba. Because, like, at the very beginning of every grab-and-go, we, we were talking about, you know, the fact that the city of Chicago does has not invested in things like, you know, the grab-and-go. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and how, you know, there are, you know, entities and institutions that provide bags of food, mm -hmm. but they making you provide an ID with every and, bag. And fill out a form and yeah, all types of things. And, and so many people don't even have IDs. Mm -hmm. So so why put a cap on the amount of bags of food that people can receive? Some people are grabbing bags for their neighbors too, mm -hmm. you know? And so um, talking about the correlation between hunger and conflict, mm -hmm. um, hunger and crime, mm -hmm. right, was really a part of of our infrastructure mm -hmm. and I think directly tied to you know what Miriam Kaba is talking about when when she's talking about mutual aid and the importance of showing up for your people mm -hmm. that's so real so you know speaking of like what is and isn't supported especially like by the city and cities in general right um the country right like these barriers etc um I think that like as a result, a lot of mutual aid efforts have leaned on crowdfunding for resources, in-kind donations, monetary donations in order to run. And in 2020, we saw this like huge outpouring as a result of like these uprisings where people were like, I'm trying to get into heaven. Let me make sure I'm not racist. Let me get some money, like or whatever the case is, and like opened up their pocketbooks. All of a sudden, not everybody had money to give. And then time went on and like those funds started to dry up and it made it really hard for like you know, mutual aid efforts that were then became accustomed to functioning at a higher volume to being like, okay, we only have this much money. We only have these many resources. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering like now, right, it's 2023, people are still in need. People are still like, these resources are, are, are still necessary. Um, how do you stay encouraged in just like the work? Like, how do you like stay motivated in the work or still connected to the work, even when it feels like sometimes nobody cares? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, when it feels like nobody cares. Well, it's interesting, especially as we like fast forward to 2023. Mm. It's been over a year that buses of migrants, asylum seekers, people, human beings have been bused to the city of Chicago mm -hmm. and basically kind of left on our doorstep. Yeah. And it's interesting, I've seen mutual aid, you know, pop back up. People are like, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to give give money to people or mutual aid, right? Mm -hmm. Mutual aid. And I put it into quotes because I've seen a lot of discrimination appear, arise in the mutual aid, right? It's like in the 2020, it's like, we talking about the black people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're going to give the money to the, right? And then now we're like, we're talking about the migrants, which you know, through, you know, many people's lenses, the migrants and asylum seekers are only brown people mm -hmm. invisibilizing the Haitians and also Afro-Latino populations that are also coming through to the city. And so I've heard horror stories from, from folks who are um, often near police stations when mutual, when aid is coming, and folks come because they cook this whatever and they're like I'm, this is for the you know for the migrants and then some black folks who are migrants come up and they're like well not them though right mm -hmm. not them and so when we're picking and choosing I see I'm seeing like discrimination within the way that people are choosing to give now at the grab-and-go we have majority black folks but there was a Family of Latinx folks, I don't know where they was from, we were certainly speaking Spanish, that were pulling up 
in their truck with their family. And first it was, we could, I could tell word of mouth it was getting out mm -hmm. because first it was this one face, familiar face. And then it, the familiar, you know, then it became another familiar, another face, a person who, whose primary language was not English. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we were not like, well, you can't have some, but you can have some. It was about the fact that everybody eats, mm -hmm. right? In the in the case of today, you know, thinking about mutual aid and folks who are experiencing hunger, mm -hmm. right? Everybody eats, but when we experience the folks who are like, I'm doing my part, but I'm not doing my part for the black people yeah, now. Yeah, I'm just doing my part for other people. I'm doing my part for the for the brown people, for the people who I'm seeing in the mass media. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like, it's interesting. It reminds me of when people like go to Africa and they adopt a baby mm -hmm. and they're like, look, I adopted this black African baby. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, do you know how many black folks who are literally your neighbors blocks away, a mm -hmm. zip code away mm -hmm. who are experiencing horrific things, right? Who are experiencing hunger as well, mm -hmm. but they are not your type of Right. Charity work. And that's that charity mm -hmm. work, even though it can be disguised, people disguise it. People have co-opted the mutual aid language. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think like it's it gives me hope today that people are thinking about ways to get active and feel so inclined to get active. Mm -hmm. But then it becomes so frustrating. Right. Even when thinking about this housing situation. Right. Mm -hmm. Folks in South Shore, folks in Woodlawn mm -hmm. have been fighting for community benefits agreement have been describing, right? South Shore is the eviction capital. Mm -hmm. It has been described as the eviction capital of the city. That's crazy. And, 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 and there is a need for housing. There is a need for treatment for substance use abuse, mm -hmm. you know? And then new arrivals, migrant population, asylum seekers are coming and they talking about changing the South Shore High School into a housing facility for uh, this population of folks who just got here mm -hmm. and people in the surrounding neighborhoods in that neighborhood were so upset because they're like, well, we actually have a super high population of folks experiencing homelessness. Yeah, like, and years ago, y'all, y'all surprised us and made this school into a police training facility. Yeah. Now y'all want to run it back and pr become, make it, make it a place for, you know, um, migrant populations, mm -hmm. naming like everyone needs housing, but also naming right the frustrations with how we decide to prioritize and deprioritize certain groups of people. Exactly, like why are you you're choosing to house because they no one is saying that they shouldn't be housed somewhere, but like housing them in a community that you are already not taking care of, housing them in a community where everybody is not even housed. Right. When there are people, why you want to put them in Edgewater? Why? And, 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 and people, people are not thinking a lot about, about how housing can be a part of mutual aid. Mm -hmm. People need, and just, just in the same, same way that everybody needs to eat, eat mm -hmm. everyone needs somewhere, needs somewhere to, to live. live. Yeah. Right? And, 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 and then we find ourselves in these positions where folks are being pitted against each other. One mm -hmm. group of folks is being demonized. Yeah. Whereas all of them are in need, you know? Everyone's in need. And when we see in a migrant population, undocumented population on, on top of a neighborhood or a set of neighborhoods who are already experiencing or, you know, condi terrible conditions, especially post-pandemic, we're going to see that, that, that addition exacerbate the issue. Because with migrant populations, 
they cannot work, they don't have visas. Mm -hmm. So all of the work that they're doing is going to be a form of trafficking. Mm -hmm. Folks who are predators are going to come and be like, let me pay you for cheap. Mm -hmm. um, there is no there is no work visa, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like the the stirring we're stirring the pot of you know the exploitation of human beings mm -hmm. right now in a way that and we're again dividing folks during a time where we need to really be talking about how do we radically change the way that we talk about providing resources to unhoused people? Mm -hmm. You know, um, it, it's it's really it, I'm feeling really frustrated and a little overwhelmed right now even mm -hmm. yeah. because I drive past a police station every day yeah. and I see children and mm -hmm. I see folks like it's like open outside mm -hmm. right um and I know that if there were black folks out there but black folks have gone to jail for loitering mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying like let alone having the ability to set up a tent on on a police station as long mm -hmm. and and that's not to say that we need to be arresting people mm -hmm. that's to say that we need to be talking about how we can utilize these spaces in order to protect people and uh, account for like human need mm -hmm. um yeah yeah that's very real it's very real and it's very heartbreaking and it's also just like it is frustrating yes i need oh oh can we do it again <laughs> That's so real. That's literally so real. Um, yeah. I appreciate you sharing that knowledge too and just <clears throat> expanding on that because I think that like a lot of people, people are confused about what the frustration is and what the work even looks like and how the work can be like more well-rounded and more comprehensive. And I think like what you were sharing is exact, exact uh, or hello? <laughs> what you were sharing is an example of that, right? Um, in places where there are like pockets or deficits or like things are being overlooked. Um, I know that like mutual aid is not the like end all be all and not the solution to everything all the time. Um, but it's definitely very helpful um, for folks to be able to just create the space to go and help one another. Um, and yeah, I don't have the answer. And I know that like none of us have the answer yet. But I'm really hoping that some answers come Sometimes sooner than later. What was you gonna say? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I, I hope that some answers comes sooner sooner than later too. And I, I'm I'm really hopeful that we, you know, really think about who the target is, mm -hmm. right? Like knowing that, you know, even today with with migrant with asylum seekers, um, the human population, right, coming in this direction, knowing that soon climate refugees will also begin the trek to Chicago. Um, we need to really be thoughtful about uh, what communities, what cities look like, because, you know, at the end of the day, there is so much destruction that could come out of this moment. And there's also so much healing and so much hope and so much opportunity. And I think that, you know, it is it is my my hope that the city of Chicago you know, can be one of the places where a model for, you know, communities popping out in on a small scale, right? Not not needing for us to be like, wide scale recognition, I did, you know what I'm saying? But on a small scale, building networks and infrastructure 
of of tender love and care because when when shit really hits the fan, mm -hmm. which it is on the way slash already happening right now, if we don't know each other, we will all die. Yeah. So we have to know each other. We have to love each other, and we have to find ways to to show up um, in a time of crises because we will all one day be in crises and it'll be completely out of our hands. Mm -hmm. And if we don't know each other in that moment and are not in the, in the, in the place to, I got the garden going, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I got the, you know, I got the childcare going. I got the, and, and, um, feel like we can even trust each other mm -hmm. to extend that. Right. We don't have that. It's not something that's so easily built. Um, when, when, when the buildings start coming down. That's very true. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and I'm very excited to see um, what that looks like going forward. But I really hope that folks get in tone with it. Thank you so much. Me too. Thank you. I hope that I did what I needed to do. You There's did. so much that I did not say. I want to name that. Please don't freeze me in time, y'all. I don't want to make invisible anybody's story. Oh, you know no. what I'm saying? But, um, and I look forward to learning together, right? Mm -hmm. It's a blessing to be here, to be able to talk about this full circle years later, right? Mm -hmm. exactly. To know about the work that you continue to do in the ways that you have grown as like this young woman, right? And like, I look forward to the future generations and the ones that came before us that we kind of come together and, and figure out a way to be connected mm -hmm. in a intergenerational space and not in a way that polarizes us and tears us apart. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for creating the space for us to be able to grow when we were first starting to do that work um, because that is a, an exact example of like that like gap being filled and us being able to come together. So I'm so happy that I met you. I'm going to hold your hand when I say this. Thank you so much for coming on Shit Talk. Yeah. I feel good about it. You feel good about it? I feel great. I feel great. Thank you so much once again. I'm your host. Not me. I'm not us ending on this. <laughs> the thing in the world is on. We're like, and, and we might die. And love anyway. prevails. Exactly. And love prevails. Look at us. We just had this deep conversation, but the fact that like so much love was created in that time of need, it's unbreakable and unchangeable. Unbreakable. Oh, so you can find me at Trina C. Trill on Instagram. I just re-got a Twitter, but I be on there talking about the climate mostly. I have a couple things coming out. Uh, be on the lookout. Read my pieces that I have written with uh, love and care. And um, yeah, you know, hit my line. Yeah, hit my line. Be a good person. Yeah. Love each other. Love each other real hard. Like love for real, not for fake. Mm -hmm. Okay, y'all. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Shit Talk. My name is Naira. This is Trina T, the realest, the trillest. Pew, 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 and pew, that's pew. it. Peace. <laughs>